0: following podcast is brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Welcome to Confessing the Faith, a theological and devotional walk through the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. I'm your host, Sam Waldron, pastor of Grace Reformed Baptist Church in Owensboro, Kentucky, and president of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, we're going to be considering the subject of chapter 4 of the 1689, which is entitled, Of Creation. And I think it'd be good to simply uh, read the three short paragraphs which constitute this chapter uh, by way of beginning. So, it's entitled, Of Creation, and and that's the subject it deals with. Paragraph 1, In the beginning it pleased God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, For the manifestation of the glory of his eternal power, wisdom, and goodness, to create or make the world, and all things therein, whether visible or invisible, in the space of six days, and all very good. After God had made all other creatures, he created man, male, and female, with reasonable and immortal souls, rendering them fit unto that life to God for which they were created, being made after the image of God in knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness. Having the law of God written in their hearts and power to fulfill it, and yet, under a possibility of transgressing, being left to the liberty of their own will, which was subject to change. Paragraph 3, besides the law written in their hearts, they received a command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which, whilst they kept, they were happy in their communion with God, and had dominion over the creatures. Now, the first thing to be noticed here is the account of creation given in this chapter. And if anything should be obvious, it is that this chapter assumes a very literal understanding of Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Repeated and explicit reference is made to the events of those chapters in each paragraph in ways which make clear that the authors of the Confession understood them in the most literal and historical fashion. Whatever else, therefore, may be said about the many theories being propounded which are departing from such a reading of Genesis, they find no comfort at all in the Baptist Confession. Still, of course, the fundamental issue is, what does the Bible teach? And the confession is, again, on this issue, uh, on safe and uh, accurate ground with regard to the meaning of Scripture. To state the matter succinctly, the only sound interpretation of the Bible is the one which understands it to teach that God did indeed make the world in a literal week of creation. Why is this the case? Well, there are several reasons that can be brought forward. First of all, the idea that Genesis 1-11 is figurative must be addressed. Now, there are parts of the Bible, of course, which are figurative. It's not uh, any kind of heterodoxy to say that. However, any unbiased literary, literary analysis of Genesis 1-11 to 11 will convince the reader that it bears all the marks of historical narrative. If we take Genesis 12 and following as historical narrative, and it would be a radical critical position to deny the historicity of Abraham. Then it cannot be doubted that Genesis 1 to 11 is intended also to be understood as such. The genealogies of Genesis 10 and 11 conclude with the family background of Abraham. The genealogy of Genesis 11, 10 to 32, is furthermore identical in structure to that found in Genesis 5. The genealogy of Genesis 5 begins, however, with Adam and Seth, thus a seamless literary structure and genre ties Abraham to Adam. If Genesis 1-11 to is a radically different literary genre than Genesis 12 onwards, the transition from one to the other is, strangely enough, imperceptible. Other arguments may be brought which show that this account is not to be taken liter- uh, figuratively. If Genesis 1-11 to is a kind of literature not intended to be taken literally, one is baffled by the constant impression of plain historicity which these chapters give, Many examples could be brought forward of this, but one, for instance, is that the specific location of the Garden of Eden is described in detail in Genesis 2, 8-17. Another uh, argument for this literal reading is found in the Ten Commandments. Jehovah himself, in no less a place than the Ten Commandments, attributes significance precisely to the seven days of creation. The weekly day of Jewish worship, the Sabbath, is to be the seventh day because, says Jehovah, in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, Exodus 28-11. Another argument against taking the creation account figuratively is the frequent literal use of the people and events of Genesis 1-11 to in the New Testament. If you look at my modern exposition, I list 22 passages in the New Testament which assume that the different features, histories, characters, people of Genesis 1 to11 are literal. The fact is, that one cannot neatly remove Genesis 1-11 from the biblical organism. It's not like removing scaffolding on a building after a paint job is finished. It's rather like wrenching the head from a living animal. The head may be gone but all sorts of tendons, bones, and dripping blood attest that it was not an optional part of the organism. Similarly, Genesis 1-11 cannot be wrenched from the Bible without leaving the organism of biblical authority oozing with proof of the violence of such an act. It cannot be wrung from the rest of the Bible without destroying both biblical authority and, by direct implication, the gospel of Christ. Thank you for listening to Confessing the Faith on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CBTS is a confessional Reformed Baptist seminary which provides affordable online theological education to help the church in its calling to train faithful men for the gospel ministry. To learn more about how you can partner with us in providing informed scholarship with pastoral heart, visit cbtseminary.org.